Welcome to the Tech Hustler podcast. This podcast is for you if you want to hear the unfiltered stories from inspiring tech entrepreneurs. I started this podcast and the community to create what I was missing in the tech industry today. My mission is to make space for women in tech by creating a platform where they can connect, get inspired and gain new knowledge that will help them to accomplish whatever they are dreaming of. It doesn't matter if you're a tech founder, an employee, or dreaming of launching a startup, this podcast is for you. My name is Ivana von Proschwitz, and I'll be your host. It's time to start hustling smarter, not harder. Today's guest is Steph Darville. She is a co-founder and COO of Align, which is a platform that validates informal learning. She's originally from London, UK, but she spent the last 10 years living abroad in seven countries, five of those in Sweden. She's an entrepreneur with a huge passion for lifelong learning and talking openly about mental health. Warm welcome, Steph. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. I'm super excited to have you here. And this is my first live podcast, it, it being in the room with the podcaster. I'm so used to doing them on Zoom. So this is extra special for me. Woohoo! It's a totally different feeling. Yeah, it is being able to like really look <laughs> look into your <laughs> eyes and have a conversation. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot nicer, I think. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and you just had a big pitching event uh, yesterday, pitching for Sting. Mm-hmm. How was that? How did you go? It was good. It was really good. There's been a lot of nerves building up. So my company Align, we're part of the Sting Accelerator, which is Stockholm Innovation and Growth, and it's an accelerator program. And uh, it's after four months of a lot of coaching and training, the demo day is when they bring. It was almost 200 investors in the room. And then I was on stage doing a pitch for a line. Cool. So been a lot of nerves building up to it, but it was really good, I think. I was really happy with how it went, actually. I sort of normally over-critique myself, but uh, I managed to get everything that I wanted to say out and keep a smile on my face. So that's that's always very reassuring. But today, it's strange when you've put so much energy into something, you wake up and think... Oh, what what do I focus on now? <laughs> you think, <laughs> all right, everything else to do with the company apart mm. from one pitch. Mm. But um, when so much of your mental capacity has been focusing on one uh, event, the day after is always a bit of a, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it feels maybe a bit empty because you rehearsed for it so so hard. But uh, but it's good. It's important the feeling afterwards that you felt that you got your message across mm-hmm. and that you like didn't get a blackout and <laughs> you got all the important. That bits. was what I was really thinking. I really felt like I'd run through all these like different uh, scenarios in my head. I I like to catastrophize as I have anxiety, so I also thought I might like as I walked up the stairs onto stage, I was gonna fall flat on my face or blackout completely. Somehow forget how to speak English. I don't know. <laughs> Luckily, none of that happened. So that's always very good. Success. Exactly. It's a success. But yeah, it's definitely that empty feeling the day after because at Sting, they've been talking about this since we started with them in February. So then it's it's done now and you think, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. But how was the incubator? Like, what did you learn? Oh, so much. It's it's really good. And, and it's designed so we they have an incubate and an accelerate program. And we were on the accelerate as we have been around for a little bit longer. We've been around for around 18 months now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really kind of when you're about to have rapid growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but you learn so much because they have different experts in. you meet different investors every single week. Mm-hmm. So you really practice your pitching because you have 10 minutes with an investor. Mm-hmm. So you really have to talk about what you are doing and but also try and get to their questions so and and I think you you're also appointed two coaches which is good to kind of bounce ideas every day and speak about hiring mm. for me it was really nice to have that sort of open conversation and mm. you could admit and say hey I don't know what this means but an investor has asked me <laughs> yeah. do you know what this means and and that's nice because you have to put on such a I mean, you shouldn't, but you do have to put on such a brave face often yeah. um, in sales calls and investors and trying to make out like, I mean, you, I obviously believe it's the best thing in the world, but you have to make out that everything's completely okay and actually being able to admit and be in a safe community of, mm. hey, I don't have everything figured out. Can you help me out? 
Um, so that's been really nice to be around other startups who are going through the same journey as well. So where are you in your? Um, so let's talk about a little bit about Align, mm-hmm. what it is, uh, why you started it, mm-hmm. and and where you are in your journey right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, so I started it. I actually met my two co-founders, Innocent and Emmanuel, at Antler, which is a an incubate program, or they bring kind of potential entrepreneurs together. So mm-hmm. you don't have to go in with an idea, and that was me. Um, and then I met the I met Innocent, and we started talking about learning and education and I thought I hadn't worked in it because I'd been in I'd been in research and I'd been in like market research and I'd worked in travel and then I we were sitting and talking and I realized a lot of my job responsibilities were in uh, trying to spread knowledge within my organization mm. because my goal was trying to get more people understanding about the consumer the insights we had the trends we had mm. the analysis and that had been really my main role throughout my career So and then we started talking and realizing that also since I mean some people have been to uni some people haven't either way doesn't doesn't really matter mm. um but since university I I had invested a lot of time learning mm. but I had nothing to prove for it so people were still putting me in one box yeah. um and now I think it's uh, I don't know what eight nine years since I left uni and mm. technically on paper I haven't learned anything you know mm. when you look at that section of education yeah. There's no update since 2014, but that's not reality. Mm-hmm. And so we started thinking that actually, and for people that haven't been to university as well, they're even more disadvantaged when people look at the paper mm-hmm. because you don't have this ev- like evidence. So that's where a line was born. And we thought, what if we can make it a lot more structured to learn? Um, I mean, there's so many brilliant podcasts like this um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and websites and videos and everything in between online now. But it's not being gathered in a structured way. I'm sure you have a bookmarks tab which is lost forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we decided, okay, what if we could have an app where it's more structured to learn? The learning content is tied to my goals, and I get my I get those results. So I can showcase that information when I'm having professional development talks, and that can be inside my company or outside. But it gives me, you know, some proof of this is actually what I've been doing, um, and that's what we've done. So we launched the app. Uh, last month, actually. So, Ooh-hoo. yes, it's been That's a long amazing. journey, and it's such a nice relief to then at this event yesterday. You know, we had sort of the QR codes and allowing people to to download the app, and that's really such a nice thing when you see other people using your baby, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super nice, but I think it's a very important thing that you do because I totally agree. Like. Um, Today we mostly look at like formal education, like mm-hmm. uni or certificates or something. Someone has to validate what you have learned. Mm-hmm. But I totally agree with you that learning is more like you learn through everything today, through podcasts or articles or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you validate the the learnings or the the material that the uh, learner consume? Yeah, and it's a really interesting thing you said. I actually saw this study the other day that used, I think people have used the 70-20-10 model in many ways, but they were using it specifically about um, education and learning in in the professional environment. And they actually said that 10% is formal learning, 20% is informal learning, so that's learning through the articles that you find, speaking to your colleagues, sharing content with your colleagues, and then 70% is on the job experience. Mm. And so we focus so much when we talk about learning in companies on that 10%. And then we align we we hope to tap into at least 50 to 55% of that. And so you think but why are we focusing so much on this small 10%? So it's obviously very complex there's a lot of tech behind that mm. my co-founder is building out, but ultimately we want to do small so micro quizzes is how we work with it. And so basically what that means is that when people share content onto the platform and we verify it's good content, then the the article for example, we would the machine would read that and flip it back as questions. And so it's more in the flow of your work or your life, you can answer a couple of questions and get a get a small tick rather than building up to this one big exam where a lot of people cram. I'm definitely mm. very guilty of that. Mm. Um, cram the very last minute and and you kind of just regurgitate that knowledge and then forget it mm. completely. And so it's more about let's do it in the flow of it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be this three hour exam. It can just be a five minute quick quiz. Mm. Um, and peer to peer is also big as well because there's so many talented people out there. Mm. 
we're not going to be the experts in every area. Mm. We just bring people together to do that. Yeah. Now, I really love the micro-learning aspect of it because I totally agree. I mean, if you consume massive amounts of learning, you forget every, like mm. a lot of it because it, it's so much at the same time. But micro-learning is much better because you've, you then remember and, and it's not so tiring as mm. well. Yeah, and I often say we're not creating new behavior. I mean, this learning is happening. Mm. I'm sure you've read a lot of articles today, probably even, and listened to different podcasts preparing this or people that are listening to this now. Um, So it's not new behavior. It's just giving it giving allowing people to actually have some proof of their efforts Mm. and also making it a bit more structured. Um, but I, that's the way forward. People, you know, time is the new currency. And so yes. people don't have time to sit down every single day and, you know, every single day and sit through a course. And sometimes a lot of something that people don't necessarily realize is that if you only, you know, validate and, and want to value formal learning, you are disadvantaging a certain area of society. And so there are a lot of, especially, I mean, you could say stay-at-home parents. It doesn't matter, but there are a higher majority of females doing that. Mm. Um, They can't go to, you know, if they're working full-time and they have kids at home, they can't go to the night school. Um, They maybe don't have time to also take time off work to go to school. But do they have a couple of hours while the kids are asleep to look at their phone or look at their laptop? Yes. The same with, you know, people in lower-income brackets. Mm. They don't have the money to go to these incredibly expensive um, universities but do they have time to spend like you know a hundred sec to actually just look at some content on their phones yes and also mm. if you can do it on your smartphone you don't need this fancy mm. laptop that not everyone has but also people that are transitioning or upskilling I mean for me example I studied law mm. <laughs> at university so I have a law degree uh, and then today I'm working within tech industry and working in AI and everything that I have learned I have learned through mm-hmm. on the job and like through different people like, consuming articles and like just following trends in in the industry um so yeah i think that's going to be valuable for a lot of people actually and that's you know like they there's i think it's mckinsey um that said like prepare for five careers in your lifetime and i think that is right i think you know and i hope people we stop asking kids uh you know what do you want to be when you grow up because you don't have to be one thing Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't have to be either and people are transitioning there's lots of transferable skills i'm sure you're learning as well about podcasting that's something I was wondering when you were setting up all of this kit I thought how have you learned all of this have you been watching (laughs) videos to learn all this tech yeah uh, yes I have actually I mean I it's like entrepreneurship I I started I had a a previous uh, podcast with a a Mm co-host and but that time we recorded in in a basement and and today I mean this (laughs) slightly different (laughs) super nice slightly different studio but I mean it's like entrepreneurship you start you have to start and do things Mm -hmm. and then you learn and then you pivot and do it better for the next episode than the next guest so so it's um yeah that's the curse of being one of the first <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're but, the guinea pigs <laughs> <laughs> no you're doing a great job but that's also the thing you know if I then looked at your CV I'd say what do you know about being a podcaster you know a lot mm, um, yeah. and you have this experience so yeah. it's um, you're not you know you're just a lawyer mm-hmm. um, you're also many many other things as well yeah um, and it's really impressive how you've picked it up so much so it looks like you're a pro thank you so much <laughs> that makes me so happy but I also learn from different people and other podcasters mm-hmm. like how are they structuring their questions what yeah how are they creating a show because it's it's really cr- about creating interesting content and creating a show Mm. So you learn from your peers, what Mm. also you're using in your platform. What's been your favorite finding so far? Mm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, when when I started the podcast, I was a bit naive. I was like, I'm super social. I like to talk with people. (laughs) We just sit down and talk with uh, super nice people like yourself and it's going to be super good. But uh, yeah, podcasting is a lot about really finding the right angles and the right mm-hmm. questions and creating interesting topics um, to, to to discuss and talk about. And then a lot, a lot uh, is about marketing the mm-hmm. show, of course, to get yeah. viewers and listeners. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it it is a craft. Yes. I would say definitely. Uh, it, it is a craft. And it's super interesting. That's what I do. Yeah, it's fun. You get to meet different people. <laughs> it's super but fun. I'm, I yeah. can really 
respect that. It's a craft in how to guide the conversation in in an interesting way for each other and the listeners. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Uh, all right, so now we know a little bit about you and then we also know a little bit about Align um, and what you are doing. Uh, but uh, tell me about how did you get into entrepreneurship and into tech? It's interesting because I kind of fell into it, I think. Mm. I um, It was, as as a lot of people were having, I was having a bit of a transition during um, during the pandemic and I'd left my previous job and, and was planning to travel while I figured out what to do mm-hmm. um unfortunately I left in January 2020 uh with oh. the idea of traveling <laughs> Bad luck. I am um, I'm lucky I actually left in January because I made it until March until you know the, the world was kind of felt like it was crashing down mm-hmm. um and so then I found myself uh you know at, at home and, and applying for jobs which felt a little bit redundant at that time mm. um and then was coming up with different ideas and how I could you know what what should I do and I'd always felt quite Quite entrepreneurial. I've always felt like I've always come up with different ideas. I remember even like even when I was a kid, you know, I had like these tiny little businesses or selling stuff to neighbors. And I used to always do boot fairs with my mom, which is like a yard sale and try and get, you know, earn my own money that way. So I've always felt quite entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then during that time, I started offering. Um, I became a guide for Airbnb. Actually, mm-hmm. um, thought when life gives you lemons, uh, becoming an Airbnb experience a guide. So I would do um, some different sporting events around the the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a few friends that had heard of this program called Antler, which was looking for potential entrepreneurs. And it was actually like I think it was a week to go before they started the program. Oh, so it was really? a really long shot. And I just watched their demo day, actually. And I sent an email and said, look, I know it's really late, but I'm available. And this is my skill set. I think I'd be quite good for the program. Um, Let me know. Um, And because of the pandemic, they'd had quite a few people drop out last minute. Mm. So they actually had a spot and uh, I started the week after. So Oh, that's cool. It was really quick and a very big. It was it wasn't like a big conscious decision of now I'm going to move into entrepreneurship and now I'm moving into tech. It was very much a let's see how this goes and I I think that's quite my approach to life. I think let's just give this a go and and see where it leads. Mm-hmm. Um and I went into that experience thinking, you know, worst case scenario I'm going to meet a lot of inspiring people. I'm going to learn a lot and uh, and I'll have a great network mm. and best case scenario I have all of that and I co-found a company that I really believe in and find some brilliant co-founders so I was lucky that the other option happened um but I'm still learning every day it's mm. I still I think it's a very female thing as well but I still almost like cringe a little bit when someone says what do you do for a living and <laughs> even saying I'm an entrepreneur I'm like oh that feels so strange to say <laughs> but why um, I don't know. <laughs> Why does it feel strange? Because uh, today there was an article released about you mm. as one of the top interesting oh, influencer, influential top 10 inspiring most inspiring women in uh 2022. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Again very very surreal I think even when these things keep popping up and and that was someone nominated me I actually don't know who who it was it's it's for a magazine and I think uh yeah it's very surreal I still feel like I'm like me are you are you sure if you not sent the email to the wrong person? No um, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but now it, I mean it's it's really rewarding because you know it's it's very it's very tiring being an entrepreneur and there's so many ups but there's also so many downs it's a difficult journey and so being recognized by external people for things like this and you know I'm like am I are people inspired by me what but you know then again you uh you can't be what you can't see so if I can inspire one more person to be an entrepreneur I'll be happy Yes, and that's why I'm so happy that you're here, because one of the things that I want to get across with this podcast is to uh, show role models as well. Mm. Uh, And I think it's very important what you said, like you can't be what you can't see. So it's super important that we showcase different kind of role models so that uh, a lot of people can identify themselves with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably actually why I even like have this feeling about uh, entrepreneurs. (laughs) I think... 
when you used to hear people t- saying that they were entrepreneurs, it's you know you think back to like the the TV show Silicon Valley and yeah, it's you know it's a boys' club mm-hmm. and it's a boys' mm-hmm. club wearing hoodies and and they're saying you know I'm an entrepreneur yeah, and so I almost feel like I go in that basket, but it's not anyone and any everyone can be an entrepreneur. Yes, so. Maybe I should say it a little bit more proudly. Yes, so. definitely. <laughs> but I get a bit provoked by that picture as well, mm-hmm. uh, because exactly what you said, like the picture of an entrepreneur is uh, some b- boys uh, coming up with an idea in the garage mm-hmm. and then uh, like coding something and then t- t- it be- it's becoming an overnight success. Mm-hmm. But that is... Um, that is not, I mean, there is a lot of variety in entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs come in different sizes and shapes and, and ethnicities and, and uh, genders or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you should definitely be proud and you are. I'm an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Yes. I know. Can a you kick ass entrepreneur, <laughs> I want to add. <laughs> exactly. But can you imagine if it was an overnight success, if you could do that? How many people that would that would be an entrepreneur <laughs> yeah but i mean i think that we i mean it's so easy to to stare uh, on the end results mm-hmm. i think really that you have to embrace the journey as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and like you said there is a lot of ups and downs and and, and yeah if you're just staring like oh when we reach this success Mm. or when we reach this sales goal or when we grow this i mean you're missing out of all the fun and all the learnings and all the fuck ups and all this uh, like uh, progress um and and it's so easy to get like only be focused on the things that doesn't work but you are doing progress like every day like micro progress every day um yeah and how do you how do you uh, celebrate success Yeah, I was thinking that. I, I completely agree and I keep trying to remind myself because I think you're never going to be done or you'll never be satisfied with the success. The mm. goalposts always just keep moving back. Yes. And so I keep trying to remind the team as well. It is really important to recognize, even the presentation yesterday, that we'd all been, you know, I was the one on stage, but we'd all been preparing mm. for it. it. It was a team effort to to get there, to actually just say, no, let's just sit and, you know, have a drink and, and review and, and actually celebrate it. And I think it is important to have those type of events or those type of days and it could just be going out the office for lunch but those moments is when you actually bond as a as a team better so I think we try and do like I mean I try and do some fun things I try and like do something or buy something to celebrate the success just to remind myself Mm -hmm. you know because then I have that memory um so I always try and do something just to mark the occasion so when we got really good news last week, I was like, okay, I want to go out for dinner and I want to have my favorite cocktail because that's how I, you know, want to mark these occasions because mm. otherwise it will be three years down the line and you've had all these micro successes or just exactly. big successes, but you've been too busy focusing on the next yes. one to celebrate it. Exactly. Or you don't, you don't see it, like you miss mm. the successes because as an entrepreneur, like you are the one writing your story. There is no one else going in like, oh, this was a success. No. You have to define your success. And mm. I think it's going to be a really miserable and long and hard journey <laughs> yeah. if you're just staring at the end goal and like building, building, building. Uh, it's going to be much more rewarding and mm. fun if you actually have milestones and celebrate your successes and then you can define whatever into a success yeah but but what you mentioned earlier is i think um a common thing that you are so focused and you just mm-hmm. like okay now we reach this goal now next goal is here let's aim for that and mm-hmm. just um, just run on but uh, we became entrepreneurs to have fun mm-hmm. enjoy what we are doing and also celebrate uh our, our success so yeah. exactly and also I think it's good to have like outlined what you're going to do when you do reach that goal because it keeps your head sort of in the game and yes. I mean I, I don't know if it'll happen I hope it does but we've been joking about it for a long time in the in the team that you know when we raise our our seed round of investment which we've been building up towards the last year and a half when we do that which will be by the end of this year we want to take a trip to Rwanda mm where my co-founder has a house there Mm, and his family from there. So we've been talking about that and saying, okay, when we do it, we need to celebrate by going away and Mm. and marking that occasion. I think 
it's a conversation that we like to joke about and hopefully it will happen, but also having that in your mind as well. Like, okay, but that's what we can do once we yes. get there. Yeah, super important. But uh, let's talk about uh, mental health, like because entrepreneurship is a, I mean, it's a rewarding and fun journey, but it can, it can be very lonely. Mm-hmm. It can be very hard. Um, so how do you keep keep yourself motivated? Mm. How do you keep your well-being uh, in a good state? Yeah, I think it's 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 a hard journey being an entrepreneur because it's all-encompassing. And I think even if you're not spending, you know, every hour of the day sitting in front of your laptop, your brain is is ticking over and thinking of different opportunities. So I keep I keep reminding myself that I also need rest and to even to be the best entrepreneur I also need to have some divide between work and life and I need to make sure that I get my weekends to actually come back to Monday with energy and and I think especially startup life have been and especially offense but especially American startup life has been very big on glamorizing the grind Mm. and saying that you have to work a hundred hour weeks to be a successful entrepreneur and so it's become this too far hustle culture and I think we need to redefine what hustling means which I'm sure this is what the podcast is also trying to do and redefine it because you don't have to be working every single day to be productive and there's so much scientific study out there Mm. showing that you like it's much more effective to take a break and Mm. rest and so I'm trying to be very open about it now in whatever small role I have in, in actually saying that I don't work every hour of the day and I try to always have my weekends and, and, and my evenings um, because I need to look after my mental health. And mm. I and that makes me a good leader and that makes me a good entrepreneur. And so I think anyone that is in any position to kind of push back against the hustle culture, um, that's one thing to take so people realize that they can take a rest. And also, you have to go with the waves of emotions. I mean, last mm. week I, I was having a really tired day. I just I couldn't I couldn't work, you know. And I realized I was just staring at my laptop and I wasn't doing anything. And so, I just shut it and went for a run and was like, okay, I'm just I need the afternoon off and I'll come back. And then I actually got loads more ideas mm. while I was out. Um, but that was that was me yesterday. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's okay, but I think we've been taught to hide that. But that happens with everybody. Yes. You know, you're going to have bad days, mm. but it's it doesn't have to be, you know, a bad journey or a bad no. decision. But sometimes some tasks or work that you do doesn't feel like work. Mm. So you, like, feel bad. Like, oh, I wasted a day just doing this and this. But, like what you really mm-hmm. did, you did some important work, either if it was like talking with a potential customers or, or getting input or doing some other mm-hmm. work. But when you work like for yourself, it doesn't feel like that you have been productive and mm-hmm. you kind of have this mindset as well that you have to produce. You have mm-hmm. to have a result every day, but that's not the case. No, it's not the case and it's not reality no. either. And also your pro- like what you've produced could also be, you know, setting up these calls. It could be following up on, on some areas. It could be, you know, writing a couple of lines or tweaking a document. That's still something. But mm. yeah, when you, you're never done when it's when you're dictating the deadlines because we're not very kind to ourselves. No, <laughs> That's not. one thing we're definitely not. And I think I came into being an entrepreneur after having quite like a a mental health crisis. So I was very hesitant to come into Mm. the entrepreneur life because I thought I I don't want to, you know, get to the point of burning out again. I don't want to, you know, sacrifice my mental health. And so I keep having to remind myself to not fall into that culture. And and luckily there are quite a few people that are speaking out against it. There's still some big names that are speaking for it, but we're getting there and I think... So what do you do? Do you have... um practice or do you have tools or how how do you uh, when you feel that you are <laughs> straightening t- towards mm-hmm. that wall how how do you break I I'm the type of person where I'm, I'm quite calm I quite I, I can take a lot of stress but I'm very much like a volcano I'll just one day erupt mm. and then I realize okay no I need to just take a break and if I allow myself to just have that break and I don't know if I need to cry I need to cry if I need to shout for a bit I shout for a bit um, but allowing myself that space to feel whatever I'm feeling then you know I'm fine within a couple of hours mm. I'm sort of like okay 
okay, that's a good reminder for me. Mm. Whereas if I try and bottle it up, it just keeps brewing. It makes me a lot worse. And so that's what I used to do. I used to hide it a lot. Mm. And now I just, you know, say, hey, I need to, you know, go and have a nap. Or for me, it's sport. That's as long as I can remember, Mm. that's always been my release. Mm. Um, And a lot of people think that, I I mean, exercise or any hobby, um, is a nice to have for them. And so it's always the first thing to go when work deadlines get in the yes, way. Yes, yes, guilty. You, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah you, and you go, I'm going to go to the gym. <clears throat> and then I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it mm-hmm. next month. I'll do it next year. <laughs> so it's also being like, uh, I think being having those as non-negotiables, just as you wouldn't cancel a sales meeting, mm-hmm. don't cancel that workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still sometimes do it, but that's okay. But uh, I try and like work out in the morning because then it's done. Mm. So then no work deadline can push that back. And I realize that's when I do it. So I, and I work out at home. So I just have to like crawl out of bed, lie on the mat and then I'm there. Mm. And I feel I'm so much more productive on the days that I do do workouts, mm. whereas I don't. Or I, I, I'm a, a fitness coach as well. So I also like having those classes booked in in the evenings because I can disappoint myself by not going to the gym that evening. But mm. if I know I have 20 people waiting for me, mm. to, for me to instruct the class, mm. I can't be late. So it has to get me out of the office. Mm, mm, mm. So those are things like having some non-negotiables, finding what works for you. For me, it's it's doing exercise in the morning. Mm. Um, otherwise, I find I, I don't do it. And so... Yeah creating the routines for me it's more tricky because i have small kid mm-hmm. <laughs> so mornings are all about getting him dressed getting yes. him, him, him to eat and getting him off to school but mm-hmm. uh, lunches lunchtime is a good better. and book that in yeah. like put that in your calendar that's a tip someone once told me if you put something in your calendar like workout or lunch mm. or break or focus or whatever it is it's so much harder to move it mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you'll you move it to another day. You yeah. won't delete it. No. But if it's never in that calendar, yeah, it's it won't be there. What happened? But what do you do to, to find the break? What what works um, for you? I, I'm i very social person and I like to be around people. But I also have a need to be by myself. Mm-hmm. So I usually, when I like have big events or a stref- stressful week or like uh, seminars and then I usually schedule some me time Uh, and I mean I have a six-year-old and have a a partner and everything but for me it's important to take a afternoon just being by myself I mean it could be it could be whatever I feel doing it could be working on this podcast because that gives me energy or it could be like just um, I don't know (laughs) watching Netflix or whatever. It could be going to a spa or just taking a walk. I, I just need, uh, yeah, me time. Um, because I think something that happened for me when, when I became an entrepreneur, it, it was much more important to build myself up. Mm-hmm. Because then, like, everything you do comes from within. You have to, <laughs> you have to write your story. You have to be creative. You have to yeah. taste. You have to hustle. So, it's it was much more important to have that mm. stable ground and work on myself, like mm. self development. Mm. So, yeah, I, 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 it's important for me to have that balance to take time for myself. And I think that's really. Interesting, a good reminder, I think. I, I don't have any kids, but I, I know it, it becomes a lot harder when you do have kids at mm, home. Mm. Um, but I think one person told me is that remind yourself, anyone that does have kids at home or partner or a dog even, mm. you know, spending time with your kid isn't me time. That's mm. you and you and him time. Yes, exactly. Spending time with your partner is also not me time. No. And yes, you need that time, but that's not me time. Me time is you by yourself doing something just for you. Yes. And I think people that, you know, have, you know, quite busy lives need to remind themselves of that, that, you know, you also need to have time just for yourself mm. where the only one benefiting from that is you. Yes. And doing something you enjoy. I mean, it could be a different thing for different people. Yeah. It can be literally sitting at home watching Netflix for exactly. seven hours. Or just it can be going watching for Watching Sex and the City or that right? like, series that you enjoy or whatever. I yeah. like to like take myself out to a cafe by myself yes. and read a book. And that's what I like to do. I, like I don't that want anyone well. with me. I want to read my book. <laughs> yeah. I like that as well. But I sit and watch people. That is, I really love people watching. It's better if you can sit outside in a cafe as well. Yes, 
then yeah, you get and just really, feeling the vibe yeah. and energy and just yeah watching people like watching their behavior like who are they with what are you talking about like what are they ordering and just like being present in the moment yeah, yeah. and how often do we actually take a a minute to just stop and breathe yeah. and not be staring at a device yeah. and actually just go Ah, oh, that's funny that that bird makes that noise. Or exactly. Why does the leaf grow? Leaf grow like that. And kids have such a curious mind. Yes, definitely. But as adults, we become very fixed on. Yeah. You know this. Yeah. Hustle. Always being fo- focused and always doing something. Yeah. And actually, some of the best ideas come when you allow your brain to breathe mm. as well. Yeah, and and inspiration can come from whatever. I mean, it could be. A bird's <laughs> voice, or a color that you see in a window, or someone's dress, or whatever. Mm. But I want to um, mention one thing. Like we talked, you talked about hustling, and mm. um, uh, for me, hustling is not like burning you out and working yeah. until you burn out. Um, for me, hustling, and that's partly why I chose the name, mm. is to define, redefine it. Yes. It's doing your best. Uh, and tr- being brave and go and chase your dreams that's hustling for me mm-hmm. and doing it on your terms yes i think it's and i think it's really good because it's really important that people don't have one association with the word mm. and then we move away from that word because we think it's just associated to one thing mm-hmm. actually let's redefine it yes. so i can call myself a hustler yeah i, I because i'm brave because i exactly. work hard yeah I do, working hard doesn't mean burning myself out. Exactly. I work smart, yes. you know, and be I'm bold in in my opinions, and and that is how I am a hustler. Mm. So I think it's really important that we use the words that have some negative connotations to redefine it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the aim uh, and why I chose the word. I'll do like an ad lib for you to use as an intro to the podcast. <laughs> Amazing. That's that's amazing. But you mentioned another thing that I want to come back to, um, uh, that you are like a volcano and that you like erupt and then you find like hours later. I I think that's a bit taboo and, and, and it's why we are so scared of showing our feelings and showing that we are not okay because we have this... Uh, perception that or maybe if I show that I'm defeated or that I don't feel well, then people will think that I'm not yeah. well. But I think we need to redefine yeah. and, and reframe those discussions because in a day you can have a lot of different feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be super happy, then you can be frustrated and then you can be super angry and then you find again. I mean, just because you are like feeling down today doesn't mean that you are mentally ill or that you are not well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you handle that? Because, I, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can also mean that you are, you know, mentally ill and you you need help, but this is a ride of emotion. But I think if mm. you're mentally ill, that doesn't mean you're incapable of, of being a successful mm. per- business person. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, that is how I am. And I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of heated discussions, I think, with people because I I think when people push away from having emotions, mm. but also when someone when you call someone emotional, you're almost always talking about them crying. Yeah. But emotions is very complex. So yes. if you say when people say, you know, we shouldn't have you shouldn't get emotional in the office, mm. you think, but okay, shall I not smile? Shall I not laugh? Shall I or not Or should I not care? Should I not care? Should I not feel frustrated? Mm. Because and you're also almost always it um, impacting you know feminine people yeah. m- much more because they're more more likely to cry I'm a big crier I'm I a cry, big crier as well I cry all the time <laughs> like but that's but what... I'm emotional <laughs> I have very close to my emotions yeah. and I see that as a good thing and that's great that's, yeah. and actually having empathy yes. like empathy is the number one leadership skill yes, that they've you. shown and so because you can relate to other <laughs> yeah. people's emotions yes. and so I think one thing is like and I've had a lot of heated debates about it and like, mm. you know, crying, you know, crying in public or crying in the workplace. Mm. And you're like, OK, but if people and yeah, people shouldn't be screaming and shouting in the workplace, but mm. some people do. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if I need to cry, it's not the end of the world. That's just me releasing my emotions. Yes. You may release it by huffing and puffing. Mm. I release it by having a cry. Mm. It's not the end of the world. Doesn't mean I need help right now. It mm. just means this is me. But also, I also think that also makes me quite 
mature, a lot of people would call me crying immature. I think it makes me more mature because I recognize what my body needs in that moment mm -hmm. and it needs that release. And if I don't release it, then I'm going to be so much worse. But for me, if like I just need to cry for about an hour and then I'm fine, mm. then I feel fantastic. And I think you, there are a lot of, especially females that feel that way and feel mm. like they can't share those emotions in the office because it'll look, you know, and I hate this word, you know, like hysterical, or, you know, what decades or ago. Or weak or. Yeah, decades like, ago, women yeah. were being like diagnosed with hysteria mm. um, when they actually had actual illnesses that mm. they should have been recognized for. Mm. Um, and so now that I'm in a position which, you know, is a co-founder of a company and, you know, some people could see me as a leader, I make sure to speak openly about it. Mm. So, you know, I will say to the team like, oh, yeah, I had this. And like, you know, I cried or actually sometimes I just need to go and have a cry in a room and then I'll come back. And mm. I used to before be like, I had a phone call, whereas now, you know, I laugh about it. Mm. But someone's like, where did you go? I was like, I just had to go have a cry. I was feeling quite overwhelmed. Mm. And I think when you normalize these yes. things, people realize, oh, okay, that's actually okay for me as well. Yeah. Um, so I try to normalize it for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and then hopefully it also normalizes it for other people. Mm. Yeah, and, and and exactly. If if we are brave and showing more of mm. ourselves, more emotions, then everything is fine, this perfect um Uh, canvas, mm -hmm. then I think we inspire other people to also yeah. share more about their themselves and, and their feelings. Exactly. And, and being, you know, I think you need to, you need to be a bit vulnerable for people yes. to feel open to be it. But honestly, I think if society felt more open to share their emotions, mm. we, so many of us wouldn't need therapy. No, <laughs> we exactly. wouldn't have mental illnesses because we would have released it in the moment and it wouldn't be, you know, 10 years later, we're having therapy to yeah. try and process something. And we'll have much more, uh, more personal and stronger relationships, both yeah. with the co-workers and our partners and mm -hmm. our family. If we dare to be honest and mm -hmm. show that I'm pissed off now, that's, uh, I, I tried to have a conversation with my child, he's six years old, And obviously, he has a lot of emotions, and <laughs> and you know, and and I really try to like acknowledge his emotions mm -hmm. and tell him like, okay, I see that you're really upset or you're super yeah. disappointed, and that is fine. Mm -hmm. That is okay. That is okay to show your feelings. That is okay to be angry. But like, we we love each other mm -hmm. anyway. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. And I, I think that's it. A lot of people think, especially in relationship, like romantic relationships as well. You know, if we have an argument, this means that we're over. And you're hmm. like, no, no, it's not. There's one of my favorite podcasts that I love. Um, I don't know if I can say the name of it. <laughs> can I? Can I? Can yeah, I swear sure, on it? do it. Okay, it's called Shagged, Married, Annoyed, and I love <laughs> it. It's uh, but they come to the podcast. It's a couple, and they come to the podcast every um, every week, mm -hmm. and they say, "What's your beef?" Mm -hmm. And they bring up a beef with each other, oh, and it's that's like something that's frustrated nice. them that week. And then a lot of the public send in their own beefs, mm -hmm. but it also opens up. Like I started doing it with my boyfriend as well, and yeah. it's like then there's not this build up, and you know, they it can be the smallest things, yeah. but You open it, you air it, mm. you can laugh about it as well because mm. mm. sometimes it's as silly as like you put the cheese on the wrong shelf of the fridge and yeah, it frustrates yeah, yeah. me. But you get it out in the air and I think there's some people that think if you're going to argue in a relationship then it means that it's you know it's going to end mm. and you're like actually I think it's a sign it's the it's opposite healthy. I would say if you don't bring up then everything will build up yeah. over the years and then you just divorce or like break up yeah. from nowhere. <laughs> exactly, you know, because the cheese oh. is on the rush shelf. So. <laughs> All those years. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think it's healthy to yeah, have those conversations. Yeah, 100%, 100%. But let's talk about um, female entrepreneurship mm -hmm. as well. Like you are a co-founder, you're a CEO, you're fundraising. And we know like from the statistics that there is only 1% going to female founder teams. Mm -hmm. Now you are part of a mixed team. Yeah. So the statistic is a little bit better. But still, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it it. When I look at those statistics, it makes me so sad because it's, it's me as well. It's, That's why I'm starting this podcast. Yeah. 
and and you and then it goes back to you know you can't be what you can't see but also why i mean as females we often doubt ourselves a lot more than than um the males do and that's scientific um but i think yeah it's like it's not even one percent to all female teams but even when you look at mixed teams it's like it's eight two, or something yeah it's i think it like, might be like i think it's like 6.7 yeah, percent comes 7. to my head or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that and then you know when i read that mm. As well as it being shocking, but then I go, hang on. If only six point seven goes, six point seven percent of funding goes to mixed teams, mm-hmm. the rest going to all male teams. How much more? Like you're in like you know hundreds of percent more chance of raising a funding round if I wasn't on the team mm-hmm. with my co-founders. Mm-hmm. I just go, hang on, wait, what? Like they would have so much more chance to raise by losing one of their founders, mm-hmm. and that doesn't add up. And mm-hmm. and and I think it's really important that. You know, there's a there's a scale of any ism, but there's a scale of you know it's not it's you don't have to be sexist to have a bias, mm. but there's also a, there are a lot of implicit biases that people have, and mm. so it's very common that people ask a female, you know, why why um why won't you fail, mm. whereas they'll ask a male, why will you succeed, mm-hmm. and just those phrases that we use, it's like we almost set up females to fail, and mm. and. I think for me personally, sometimes that is quite frustrating. And even even being part of investor events, I look around the room and I can count the females in one hand. And that's really upsetting when you're in a room of two, three hundred people and they're all men. Um, and often they're all very white men as well. And so you also think that's not reflective of the population at all. No. Um, so for me, it's it's something that I try to sort of I, I'm very vocal about be, believing very deeply in female entrepreneurship and uh, a, any sort of minority entrepreneurship. So, yes. you know, yeah. you know, you, you've even you they, they stats are the, just the same or even worse when you get to non-binary people, different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and so being open about it, but day to day, trying not to think about it or get too caught up in it too much and just mm-hmm. think, let me do a good job and mm-hmm. and, you know, let my results showcase that mm. um but there's been times where i've maybe had like an investor conversation and yes the, that was my question mm, actually what was the like the worst comments you you have received oh that's a good question i think there's just so many doubts and i do see there's a difference in uh, the way a lot of people speak uh to me if it's just me by myself or if i have one of my male co-founders with me the tone changes um mm. And also, so we have uh, with uh, three co-founders. Um, one male is a tech co-founder, and the, and the other is a business co-founder like myself. And I find that a lot of the times when they're asking tech questions, they aim it at my male co-founder that's a business co-founder. So he knows just as much about tech as me, and mm. we both know enough to answer the questions. Mm. Um, we're not experts, but we know the tech in our company. Mm. And they'll always be directed to him rather than me. Mm. And I think... I'm, you know, he's not the CTO. Like, if it's the CTO, of course, he yeah, knows yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, he's the boss of, of it, the tech, yeah. But it's also a representation as well. And mm. so, you know, when you, it's hard to relate to that middle-aged man mm. a lot of the time. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard. But again, we have to change it or like get in and then change it from the inside um, and and push through. And, and you know, I one thing I always talk about as well is that I think, and it goes back to what, the bad connotations of the hustle culture is um, that I think a lot of people focus on or they, a lot of investors mistake privilege for passion. Mm. Um, and I keep saying, like, stop mistaking privilege for passion where they think, you know, if you are passionate enough, then you don't need to take a salary for the first three years of running the company and you don't need this and you don't need this and, and you should just achieve, like, be successful by yourself. But... And, and tap into your own network. But underneath that is the assumption that one, I have a network that's already in investment, so mm. then it's going to be quite homogenous. Mm. Two, that if I I have to be so privileged to not be able to not take a salary for three three years, you know, again, mm. I, no one's greedy, but I don't have, I don't come from a wealthy background. I don't have millions sitting in my bank account. So mm. if you are going to put those standards on, you only invest in people that are this passionate that's not passion, that's privilege. Yes. And then you're never going to change those stats ever no. if you're only investing in people with that background. Mm-hmm. But maybe then that's not the right investor for you. Absolutely not. No. But it might make them think. 
Because yeah. sometimes they'll say that and not realize all the assumptions that they've made in their minds. And I think you need to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt because a lot of biases or prejudices are so ingrained in their brain that they're not conscious about it. Mm. And so sometimes you just need to challenge those ideas and then they go, oh, okay, I yeah, I didn't realize. I'm sure you've had it many times. I, I get it all the time. Someone challenges me and I go, I didn't realize that that was how someone else can interpret that. Mm, but mm, thank you for challenging mm, me. Mm, yes. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But, well, I mean, podcasts like this are brilliant because they're going to change change the industry, seeing more. I am seeing more younger women uh, investors uh, or sitting on the investment companies. And mm. that's I'm always really happy when I see that. Yes, um, me too. But I, I looked at like Sifted came out with an article about like a partner, female part- partner in VCs. And it was like 22 names in the Nordics or in Sweden. Mm. That's what I was going to. I think that was. <laughs> that's what I was about to say to yeah. you. I was like, I'm really happy whenever I see like an investment manager that's a female. Yeah. But they've got some work to do on their boards. Yes. Because the boards are normally very male dominant. And yeah. so. You need to also be, you know, bring women into the company and don't bring them in just, you know, to add a percentage, bring them in because mm-hmm. the diversity of perspectives is very good for your business. Yes. Um, and and that's what baffles me when you look at those stats, because mm-hmm. if you look at the statistics of the chance of having a like um, driving revenue and having growth in the company, actually having a female on the team they are actually more successful as a company and mm-hmm. they drive higher revenues. Mm-hmm. And so you go, If the, if the investor is going to make more money by mm. investing in a female, why aren't they doing exactly. it? That, that's what they're interested in. That doesn't in. make sense. Though. But it, ha, there are a lot of modern investment firms that are now being very conscious of it mm. and do have women on it. But it's something I look at as a startup um, discussing investments. I always look at the board and I always look at who the team is because mm. the front page is who they want to be. And, you know, yeah, yeah. and then you actually look, okay, who are you? And and are you actually walking your talk? And, yes. and there are some that aren't, and then they're not the right ones for you. Yeah. So can you give us your best, like, advice, how to vet an uh, investor? Mm. How do you choose your investor? Because, I mean, yes, it's you, you want investment, and it's nice to get some money, but while when you get to investment, I mean, it's, it's going to be a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. So you really need to vet that it is a right investor for you mm-hmm. and you uh, usually also want their network or other aspects, their mm-hmm. time or their knowledge, not just their money as an investment. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you choose the right investors and like what do you look like mm-hmm. or look for mm-hmm. for when vetting them? Yeah, it's really interesting come now analyzing sort of my approach and I think uh, they say that the average investor startup relation lasts longer than the average divorce mm-hmm. which is very a, a longer <laughs> the marriage not divorce <laughs> um and and that's quite scary when you think about that mm. and for me one of the main things yeah I look at their web just to understand who they are but also click a few pages down to look at their team um but also they will have a few bullet points in you know this is what we look for and 99% of investors will have that on their homepage so you can have a look at this very easily Um, and kind of push that in the first chat that you have in the same way that interviews are two-way. You know, we all often and a lot of women think it's, you know, we just have to answer the questions nicely, but Mm. actually go, it's an interview for the company. It's an interview for the investor as well. Just even if they're willing to give their money, that doesn't mean we should take it. And so I normally kind of push on those points. If they say they only invest in team, but in the first call, they don't ask anything about the team and they haven't asked about my background or my co-founders' backgrounds, then you don't care about the team because you're only asking me about the product. So that's not real. Um, and, and and you can test that on, like, gauge what type of questions do they ask. And most investment firms now are saying they only invest in diverse teams, but look at the teams that they have invested in and look at their team as well. Mm. Um, and, and so have a look at that. And also the verticals that they invest in. Make sure it's relevant because... Your time is pretty precious as well. So you don't want to be taking, it's very easy to take every 
meeting that you get because mm. you just think, okay, they have the money and, and we need the money, so we should mm -hmm. take every call we can get. Yeah, um, and the balance is off from the beginning. Yeah, and mm. and don't be afraid to also cut it short. Like, mm. there's been a few meetings where we've gone, okay, this is great, but like they only invest when in you know Series A, which is normally when you're like, you know, Series A will be you know at least in a year's time for us, and so. We say, okay, great, let's just keep in contact or let's reconnect in six months' time. Um, and so don't just because you've booked half an hour doesn't mean you need to use the half an hour either. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes being given 10 minutes free. <laughs> mm. um, everyone likes getting some free time, you know, where they can actually focus on, on work. So it's also a good tactic to make people remember you. Mm. Nice. So what can you share some of the... Uh, failures or fuck-ups that you have experienced in your entrepreneurship journey? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many I've had. <laughs> I feel like I have Top a new. <laughs> I feel like I have a new failure every week, and and that's also I. You know, you learn on the job, right? Your pre. You, Everything I'm learning is new. And so there's been, you know, everything from small things like design, like, uh, you know, I forget to put the right button or I forget to do the prototype. And then suddenly the whole, the, you know, the developers have worked for days on it and it's my mistake. Um, there's been, you know, slipping up in in investor calls or slipping up in sales calls. Or what was I did a fuck up the other day where I went into a partnership call. Um, and I was with my co-founder and I had, I was running from one meeting to another and then I just missed, we were, ha we having two simultaneous partnership calls in the same week mm. and I mixed up, mixed them up. So, <laughs> and I saw his eyes just think, no, cause I was like, yeah, and we're looking at trialing, you know, the app with 800 people, 800 of your students. And I saw her look confused and said, no, we spoke between 20 and 30 people, so it was wildly different. Um, and you just have to kind of laugh off those moments because it's an honest mistake and everyone is going to make different fuck-ups. Um, there's been times where I, like, another time I had an investor conversation and I, in my head, it was a, a time, like 3.30, and that's what it was. And I was actually sitting, reading through their webpage, like looking at the points I just mentioned and the meeting was at three and I completely missed the call and I was really annoyed and I was like that looks so unprofessional she was really understanding and was like don't sweat it it's fine um but to me I was I got really frustrated and then I thought look that's out of my control mm -hmm. um there's nothing I can do but you know you would could feel like it's a huge fuck up you missed an important meeting mm -hmm. um but I feel like every other day I'm, I'm doing something where I go yeah I okay, go that's a mistake or you know, you forget to book a meeting and then suddenly you realize last minute you haven't prepared for it. Mm. Um, but when you're jumping from so many different contexts um, as an entrepreneur, it's not when I used to work in corporate, you know, I had I had my role and I had my department and you didn't really veer from that. Whereas when you're jumping one minute from the design to the marketing strategy, to speaking to investors, mm. to selling to clients, mm. to doing your financial projections mm. to onboarding a new team member, mm. there's going to be some things that slip through and yeah. that's okay. You can't be on top of everything. No, you can't. And I try and just own up to it. I try not to like, try try not to cover it up because you also should breed a, an environment that says it's okay if people fuck up. Like everyone does it. And I think like my first manager said to me, it's okay to make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake twice. Mm. So as long as you learn from your mistakes, then you're fine. fine. Yeah. Fine. And you are building your corporate culture as well mm. while you are building the business. So exactly. It's important to also think mm. about like what culture, what environment you want, want to work with. And you definitely want to create an environment where it is okay to fail because mm. failures are learnings. So yeah, yeah. And, and you can't say that you want to um, breed innovation if you're not going to accept failure. Exactly. Because innovation happens from exactly. like failing nine times and then you succeed. Exactly. And that that like um, amazed me <laughs> when corporates, like big corporates, they have all like <clears throat> their wording on their webpage that they are pro-innovation, they're so innovative, but then they don't accept failures at all mm -hmm. or point out the person that has failed mm -hmm. because that, that doesn't align at all. Mm -hmm. 
No, it doesn't. And you made your first line joke, so well Ooh, done. Points to <laughs> me. Whenever someone does it, I'm like... But I think it's completely right about that. And we, we do a thing in the team where every Friday we call it a line and wine. Um, so we just sit down and kind of process the week and have a glass of wine if we want. And just and then we start a thing where we say our highlight of the week and, and then we give a praise point to someone else on the team. Um, and you can give yourself a praise point because it's also important to... Um, do that but sometimes instead of giving myself a praise point I give my fuck up of the my praise point <laughs> is my fuck up yeah um, and you know you just have to kind of laugh it off but you know it's also nice that you know we've done many issues with I don't know the app launch you know we forget an entire feature by accident and mm. then you go okay but let's fix it you mm. know there's no point focusing so much on the issue do a retrospective realize why mm. it was you know a lot of the time it's communication so yeah learn exactly. from it and move forward and I love that you bring it up with your team as well because if you made a mistake then mm. others can learn from that as well mm-hmm. yeah and, and laugh about it I mean. and laugh about it exactly don't take yourself so serious no you can't take yourself that seriously yeah uh, I had a boss once and she said when I was working in insurance and she's like okay now we're gonna pretend that we are that we are we're gonna we're just gonna play insurance people <laughs> <laughs> You you remember when you were young and like you like yeah, exactly. play that you were a teacher <laughs> or that you are were some other it. roles. So she was like to uh, not dramatize things. Mm. So she's like, okay, we're not going to take it so seriously. We're going to play just. And I like I like that approach. Yeah. I love it. We're just going to play. I'm going to play entrepreneur for the day. Exactly. I'm just going to play entrepreneur. <laughs> but I, I think sometimes you just have to bring on that persona, right? Mm. Like even before going on stage yesterday, I always try and do this. You know the power pose where you kind of you have your feet shoulder width apart and you Mm. put your hands on your hips and you know physically that's you taking up as much space as possible Mm -hmm. um but it trains your brain to actually like you know then you're going to take up space on the stage and I try and do that and take 10 deep breaths and it's also like yeah I might look silly but it makes me feel good in the time and it makes me put on this persona of okay Now I'm going to go on stage. Like, now I'm going to play presenter. Mm, <laughs> so mm, exactly. I like that, that mentality. That's good. But, uh, okay, thank you. And and we are reaching the end here. We have been talking for a long time. Very have interesting. We? Yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, so um, what is your, like, what trends do you see in, in EdTech and, like, future of education? Mm-hmm. I want to give you that question before we wrap mm-hmm. up. So I think the importance of re and upskilling is becoming um, very big and also um, learning in the flow of life and work. So it's not an either or. It's not either I'm studying or I'm working. It's actually a sort of constant mixing of the two. Um, and so and people are moving. They're transitioning from one uh career to another that's an that's a huge trend um and so companies need to be offering these upskilling platforms otherwise they'll lose their their employees um and one trend that we see you know they talk about the great resignation but i like to tie it to you have the great resignation where a lot of people are resigning leaving their jobs and mm. uh, mckinsey have estimated it's up to 40% will do it in the next six months which is a huge turnover yes. um But I also think with a play on words of the word resignation, there's also people who are resigned to their position. Mm. And they're more dangerous to have in your company because they're resigned to the situation and they lack motivation. And so you need to be providing and encouraging people to keep learning if you want to be a good company and have success. Mm. Um, And this has to be not a token you know, go to a conference, that's great. Or here, do this one course. It has to be a constant of encouragement and tying it to where people want to head in the future. And I think also, you know, the door should always be open. So stay because you want to, not stay because you're scared to go. Mm, mm. So upskill people. And some people will leave that company and they'll walk away with those skills. Cool. But have you got a year's worth of their hard work thanks to that new knowledge? Yes. Okay, and will they talk Nike fondly of you when they're in their new company? Yes. And so don't be scared to lose the good talent because, the, you know, if you attract good people and the good people leave, then you're, they'll also attract, you know, mm. very talented people as well. So I think employers should be much more open in, look, we're going to upskill you, but we don't, we shouldn't be owning this data. We shouldn't be keeping 
everything internally mm. you know let's keep the motivation high and productivity high mm. and whichever way helps that mm. support the employees so i think it's it's much more of an employee market than employer now mm. thank you for that it's okay <laughs> so wise so wise okay so um we have come to the two last questions mm. uh, so what are your best advice to other entrepreneurs that want to build their tech company mm mm-hmm. I would say just do it, just give it a go. Um it's very easy to get caught up in all the reasons how it could fail or all the reasons what's going to go wrong. Um some things are going to go wrong and that's okay, but just give it a go. And I think like give yourself a timeline. Say I'm going to try it for 3 months and I'm going to go all in and then I'll analyze it. But I think so many people have brilliant ideas but they're so scared of giving it a go. So just do it and if it carries on working do it but also don't be afraid to throw in the towel if you think it's actually not working as you thought it would and yeah you might just go in then rethink and reflect it didn't work because of this so next time it will work mm. um so i think just go for it would be like my main <laughs> my main one and also like make sure to to prioritize like your own health as well like you know take one step at a time because the steps are there are infinite mm, <laughs> entrepreneur mm. life. Yeah. Um so remember it's a marathon not a race. Mm. Well said. And is there another tech hustler that you want me to interview? Good question and I was thinking about this one. Um one tech hustler that I have worked with that I really love and has set up her own marketing agency now. Uh, is Tima Fofana so I think you should interview her cuz she's really created her whole career on on hustling and finding opportunities and now has started has decided to just start her own company um but she is so talented she's a musician and she can rap and she's a copywriter and she is also an entrepreneur by making her own jewelry so she's very multi-talented and a lot of fun to have here as well so i'm going to recommend her excellent thank you so much and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us that's okay thank you for doing this and thank you for changing how people consider tech and hustling and encouraging female entrepreneurs so you're doing a great job thank you so much we're doing yes <laughs> thank you very much What did you think about today's episode? Let me know on LinkedIn and Instagram at TechHustler. This podcast is a passion project of mine. So if it speaks to you, it would mean a lot to me if you would give it a nice review and share it with your friends. See you next week. And until then, hustle smarter, not harder.